There comes a time when people get tired of being trampled over by the iron feet of oppression, Martin Luther King Jr. shouted from the pulpit of Holt Street Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama, on the night of December 5th, 1955. There comes a time, my friends, when people get tired of being flung across the abyss of humiliation, where they experience the bleakness of nagging despair. Unspooling metaphors and similes, quoting scripture from memory, the 26-year-old called an audience of his elders, weary from a long day of work, to its feet. Men in blue cotton work shirts, their names stitched in cursive across the breasts, shouted support. Women in lace-trimmed maid uniforms shrieked assent. Following the arrest of Rosa Parks four days before, Black Montgomery had joined the battle, almost a century after the demise of the Confederacy and the failure of Reconstruction, they took up a fight for social justice and civil rights that should have been won with the surrender of Lee at Appomattox. Georgia Teresa Gilmore, a cook, midwife, and mother of six, stood amid the pews that night for the first meeting of the Montgomery Improvement Association, when Rosa Parks rose to silently acknowledge applause and black citizens pledged to quit riding city buses until their rights were ceded. 5,000 African Americans crowded the sanctuary, the balcony, and the basement annex. To get close, black citizens of Montgomery abandoned their cars in the streets and walked to Holt Street. Bundled against the coal, they listened via parking lot mounted loudspeakers as King pledged to work and fight until justice runs down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. Driving nearby, whites stopped to eavesdrop and marvel at what was to come. For the better part of a year, Gilmore brought food to the Monday night mass meetings, where preachers delivered speeches and activists plotted strategies to desegregate the buses that ferried maids and cooks to their jobs in the brick bungalows and columned homes of Cloverdale and the Garden District. For that first meeting, she collected $14 to buy chickens, lettuce, and white bread and packed a hamper full of fried chicken sandwiches. Along with her friends, she sold sandwiches in the parking lot on the front steps of the church to hungry men and women who were determined to remain in those pews till the last words had been shouted from the pulpit. When ushers passed hats that night to gather a collection, men with mended coveralls on their backs and women with holes in their shoes crowded forward to drop bills, shouting, Here, let me give. In October 1954, more than a year before police arrested Rosa Parks for refusing to give up her bus seat, Gilmore had begun her own boycott after a Friday afternoon rush hour confrontation with a white driver who shouted her down for entering the front door of the bus and drove off before she could walk around back. At an early mass meeting, Gilmore introduced herself to King. He made it clear that the boycott was part of a larger freedom struggle. He told all about the good things you should do for one another, Gilmore said, and how with a better education you could be a better person. Night after night, as preachers fed the audience inspiration for their fight, Gilmore fed the men and women who traded pocket chains for sandwiches, and she plowed the profits into the MIA. In the process, her home kitchen became a locus for change. By February of 1956, more than 300 cars and wagons served 40-plus pickup and drop-off spots, driving laborers from their homes to jobs across town. This alternate transportation system, devised to put pressure on white Montgomery, required money for gas and insurance policies, and after a while, new sets of brakes and tires. Gilmore, who lived on the same street as Rufus Lewis, 
architect of the boycott transportation system, organized a group that eventually sold fluted pound cakes and sweet potato pies to beauty parlors and laundries, to cab stands and doctor's offices. They fried fish and stewed down greens and sold plates of pork chops and rice that mothers and fathers bought and toted home from church to sons and daughters. For Gilmore and her friends, raising funds became a second job. 